Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. I read about a shepherd who was looking after his sheep one night when a brand new Porsche pulled into his field. The driver was a young man dressed in Armani, wearing Berluti shoes, Versace glasses, and wore a Rolex on his wrist. He got out. He looked over the field of sheep, looked at the shepherd and said, if I can tell you how many sheep you have, will you give me one of them? The shepherd, somewhat confused, said, well, sure. At that, the young man went to work. He pulled out his Apple laptop, clicked on his NASA app, and a one-of-a-kind GPS began to scan the flock. In doing so, it opened up a database, and in less than a second, it printed out an executive summary on his high-def mini printer, which was lying on the back seat of his Porsche. He picked it up, looked it over, and said, you have 1,586 sheep. The shepherd, now blown away, said, you're right. Wow, that's amazing. Go ahead, you can have one. The young man then again looked over the sheep, found the best one, picked it up, and proceeded to put it in the back seat of his Porsche. <laughs> it was then that the shepherd said, before you leave, if I can guess your profession, will you give me my sheep back? The arrogant young man replied, absolutely. And without any hesitation, the shepherd said, you're a professional consultant. As a pause for quite some time, the young man was blown away and he said, how in the world did you guess that? Well, that was easy, said the shepherd. First, you came here without being invited. <laughs> Secondly, you charged me a fee to tell me something I already knew. And third, you have no idea the line of work I'm in. Now, can I have my dog back? <laughs> I've said this throughout this series, we can know Christmas and never ever know Christ. Let me just say it again. We can know Christmas and I contend we do. I began three weeks ago and I told you that this year we'll spend just our country alone over a trillion dollars on Christmas. Roughly up 57 to $58 per person this year, even in spite of all the COVID, all the fear. One-fifth of Americans will go in debt, even in that debt, with the possibility of maybe not even be able to really repay it back, just because we're looking for that perfect gift. We know Christmas. We know Christmas quite well. And just in the, our own town, it seems there's more Christmas decorations up, and maybe it's just me, than I've ever seen in our past. 
And could it be because of all the, uh, the happenings of 2020 that people feel just kind of, if you will, sort of isolated, that they're just getting out a little bit more? Maybe so. I, I don't remember the music of Christmas, and maybe again, it's my own ignorance, hitting, if you will, the airways prior to Thanksgiving until this year. And maybe that's because I'm just more sensitive. But I'll say it again, we know Christmas. But I wonder if we really know Christ, which is really what Christmas is all about, is it not? It's crazy how many times we've picked the dog thinking it was a sheep. We know Christmas. We know Christmas. So let me begin with a question. And the question is a pretty big question. But what happens after Christmas? Now, I'm not asking you to shout it out. And I'm not trying to, to get you to be overly spiritualizing right now. And I'm not trying to dramatize the question. I'm really just stating the question as it is. What happens after Christmas? Y'all ready? Like the best deals ever. I'm really, come on, there's women in the room. 75% off store-wide. I love an after Christmas deal. Am I alone? Oh my goodness. It's the best deals ever. And I don't know about you, but it sort of kind of makes you want to have Christmas over, doesn't it? Oh, oh, careful what you say. Because there's something about after Christmas, it's pretty awesome. And I'm somewhat setting you up. But I love a good after Christmas sale. And I've already told you, I, I got a house full of women. We love a good after Christmas sale. I love a good after Christmas sale. And it's really my point in my message. It sort of kind of makes you want to wish that Christmas was already over. Because that's my hope in preaching this message. Because if we really get Christmas... I think the whole point of Christmas is to understand the best part is what comes after Christmas. Amen. And that's why I say we can know Christmas, but we completely miss the Christ. Because within a few days after Christmas, it's crazy how everything comes down. It goes back into a box and it seems to be the same way with a lot of people's faith. They come to the event the speaker speaks, the music gets played, they come to the altar, and it seems to me it doesn't take but a few days, and whatever they met at the altar goes back into the box, and they get right about just another year. It's crazy, isn't it? But it's true. Which makes me wonder, what did you really meet at the altar anyway? And we're going to talk about that. What comes after Christmas? I think it's the point of Christmas. The most important part of Christmas. The best deal ever. And I want to show you that in the scripture. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And we're going to look at the shepherds, as you know, in a vintage Christmas series. And maybe unpacking the real story. I'm cautious when I say that because it almost sounds like everything else we heard was maybe not as truthful as it should have been. I'm not saying that, but I'm trying to pose, if you will, 
things that maybe are a part of the Christmas story that might have gotten overlooked. Just trying to go back and reminisce with you what is written in the word and playing with a little bit, but not in a human sense, just looking as it is and then asking some questions. Now, I'm going to read from Eugene Peterson's The Message. There's a reason for that. It might play on you a little bit. It might even have you get lost a little bit. But I'm beginning in the eighth verse. The vintage story we're familiar with. There were sheep herders camping in the neighborhood. I just love the way Eugene says that. There are sheep herders camping in the neighborhood. They had set night watches over their sheep. What time of day is it? It's important you catch that. Suddenly, God's angel stood among them and God's glory blazed around them and they were terrified. But the angel said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Boy, do we need to hear those words this year, maybe more than any other year, eh? I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A savior has just been born in David's town, a savior who is the Messiah and master. This is what you're to look for, a baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. At once, the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. Glory to God in the heavenly heights. Peace to all men and women on earth who please him. As the angel choir withdrew into heaven, the sheep herders talked it over. Let's get over to Bethlehem as fast as we can and see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. They left running. Love, it's like a Forrest Gump moment. And I was running. So they left running and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger, seeing was believing. Some of you might remember the movie Santa Claus where the little angel says to Tim Allen, who's, who's now, if you will, the prophetic Santa Claus. And of course, he falls off the roof and kills Santa. And so he has to take it over. If you've seen the, the Hollywood version, it's just crazy cool. But he looks out when he's at the North Pole and he says, I see it, but I don't believe it. And she says, well, seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. But I want to remind you both are true. Because Jesus said the eye is the lamp of the body. Seeing is a big deal. Seeing is believing. And believing is seeing. They're both important. So they left running and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Seeing was believing. They told everyone they met what the angels had said about this child. And all who heard the sheep herders were impressed. And skipping down to verse 20, the sheep herders returned and let loose. I love those words. Glorifying and praising God for everything they had heard and seen, it turned out exactly the way they've been told. Exactly what the angel had said. I love an after Christmas deal. Think about it. God wraps up a little baby 
lays the little baby in a manger, and then shouts, blue light special in aisle four. Because <laughs> that's what just happened. The baby is born. Christmas is really already over. This is nighttime, and the pronouncement is, earlier today, the baby had been born. And these dudes take off running. There's something about the after Christmas deal. Store wide. And they take off. Notice that the angel doesn't say, come on, better hurry up. You're going to miss the birth. As if Mary would have enjoyed that. <laughs> with a barn full of spectators. But the child's already born and the pronouncement and the promise of peace and joy comes after Christmas, not on Christmas. It's what happens after that matters. That maybe God doesn't want us to celebrate Christmas one time or at one day a year, but maybe Christmas was to actually be a life change and that your life would celebrate Christmas year round. The question, does it? Do you understand a good after Christmas deal? Because I love it. We do in our household. And so if you got your notes, I want you to take them out. What I want to help you with is what does an after Christmas Christ much sale look like? The same as it does today. If you understand it. But maybe that's because where our hearts actually are and I'm going to help you with it. But here's the first thing I want you to write down. The shepherds go looking for treasure. It's the first thing that we learn in the story. The shepherds hear about the great deal. They hear that there's an incredible special on aisle four. And the shepherds do what we do. They go running to aisle four. The Bible says that they take off in a hurry. Whatever translation you want to read. But they're on their way to discover what the, shape, what the angels said is a reality. This is an amazing moment. Again, look at verses 16 through 18. After the angel choir returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's get over to Bethlehem as fast as we can. And let's find this treasure that God has just told us about. And they left running. They left running. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie National Treasure. It's a story that chronicles, if you will, the life of a Benjamin Gates who's played by Nicolas Cage. Now, if you haven't seen it, you need to see it because uh, National Treasure 2 takes place in our own state part of it. And, and of course, we all know it's fictionalized reality, but there's something about the movie that pulsates at every one of us. What if there is a treasure? And what if there are some clues, and if I could learn to understand them, that that treasure would change my life. Just what if? And, and I'm going to get a little close to the heart here in a moment. But Nicolas Cage is obsessed by this. Something that's been a part of his family for many, many, many generations. Thus he goes from clue to the next, to the next, to the next. Risking everything and anything he has, including his own reputation 
because the possibility that this treasure could be real of which he has banked everything he knows on is worth more than any reality he is currently living in. And therein lies the problem that I contend that most people who call themselves Christian would rather live in the reality, assuming there might be a treasure, but it's just not worth the risk because I've got the comfort of what I already have. But these shepherds are willing to leave everything they knew in a mere announcement that there's a special and it's going on right now. And you might miss it. And everything they knew they're willing to leave, they're willing to risk for the sake of the possibility that just what was told to us might be real. It's exactly what Jesus taught. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, is like a treasure hidden in a field. It's hidden in a field. I, I, I remember reading this and I actually had someone come up one time and say, I don't get that. Why would God want to hide it? I don't know. Maybe the sheer fact that he just wants to know, what are you willing to risk to go looking for it? Especially in a world in this country where we are so entitled now that we're just expecting everybody to bring it to us. And somehow we deserve it. But we're owed this. And yeah, I'm going to say what I've always said. God doesn't owe us anything. But Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. He goes on to say, which a man finds, which means he's looking for it. This is a big deal. And for the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And probably why Jesus said, when you seek, you will find. And so the first thing you need to do is seek. But do we? Do we? See, for me personally, at my house, when a good deal's announced, like my wife, she'll come. Well, actually, she doesn't come to me. She's just gone, okay? <laughs> and, and then I get the call. And all of a sudden, thank God for, if you will, FaceTiming, because now at least I get a glimpse of what it might look like. Because she's doing everything she can to get her hands on a good deal. Shouldn't we be the same when it comes to Jesus? Shouldn't we? Maybe because we don't really know who he really is or what this is all about. Maybe this has just been a holiday and why it goes all back into the box. See, I don't understand New Year resolutions because the positioning of Christmas when you get it I don't need to make New Year resolutions because I just got a brand new transformation just a few days prior. See, a new year doesn't fix Keith. A new birth does. And why so many New Year resolutions can't be kept because you're trying to do it in your own strength, it's impossible. You want your marriage to get better? Jesus. You want your kids to get better? Jesus. You want your life to change? It's Jesus. It will never be found in your own strength. It will never happen on a hillside where you're, 
where you're watching your flocks. It happens when you're willing to make a journey to Bethlehem and figure out what the angel just said. Do you know him? Do you really know him? This is a good after Christmas deal. You know what Proverbs 2 says? Tune your ears to wisdom. Set your heart on a life of understanding. Make insight your priority. Look what he goes on to say. Search for it like a prospector panning for gold, like an adventurer on a treasure hunt. Everything you got, you risk it. But now I want to caution you. Because when you search, you need to ask yourself, what am I really searching for? And I think therein lies the problem. I want to say something to you and I don't want you to miss it. It may be the most important thing that I'm going to say. See, when you seek first the kingdom, the question is, what are you really seeking? Because I want to share this with you and I don't want you to miss it. Jesus is not a solution to our problems. I want to say it again. Jesus is not a solution to our problems. He wants to be the savior of our life. He's not the solution. See, we like to say, well, yeah, we got a sin problem. Oh, no, no. Most people don't even recognize that. They don't even go there. He's not the solution even to your sin problem because it still makes you the focus. Jesus wants to be savior of your life. He doesn't enter in, you with me, to fix us. It's when we surrender to him and we take on a brand new nature. And there's a big difference. Do you know him? See, I think some people struggle because what they're looking for is they're looking for a solution. That's why people say, well, I tried that Jesus thing and it didn't work. No, 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 no. <laughs> you didn't try him at all because he always works. You with me? The question is, what were you really looking for? You want a savior? Well, that will cost you everything. That's why I said a few weeks ago, when you have a solution to the problem, when you have options, you forsake righteousness in that moment. Because as Christians, we never have options. We just have God's word, our authority, and we do accordingly. Just as Mary, just as Joseph did, and just as these shepherds did. Talk about an incredible after Christmas deal, amen? So the angel appears, announces to them, blue light special, most incredible deal ever. These sheep herders leave everything they know for a chance of finding and securing that best deal ever. So they go, they search, they find. And just as the angel had said, they do just as we do when you and I find a good deal. Write this in. The shepherds tell everyone. Because that's what we do, isn't it? It's, it just is. In my house, when my girls get back home, they start opening up their treasures. I mean, look at dad, look at I bought. Oh, sweetheart, you're gonna love this shirt. It's like a hundred dollar shirt, five bucks. And I get to see it. They're so excited about it. 
Look at verse 17. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger and they tell who? Everyone. I, I don't know if you've ever seen, there's an incredible movie out, very biblical, prophetic, unbelievable Christian movie called Elf. And, and <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the story of Buddy, okay? Story wait, played by Will Ferrell. So you can already, if you, if you have not seen it, you already know the movie, okay? He's an unwanted infant who on Christmas Eve, as a babe in an orphanage, finds a way into Santa's gift bag and ends up with Santa at the North Pole. Buddy then is raised by elves, oblivious to the fact that he's a human being. Finally, Santa informs him that he is. He's not an elf. That he has a father, and his father actually lives in New York City, a father who put him up for adoption and our adventure begins. However, still operating, however, from the perspective of an elf, the movie now chronicles Buddy's journey as he travels home to New York where he ultimately saves Christmas. But he does it by living, and I don't want you to miss this, by living according to elf codes, if you've seen the movie, that he learned when he was growing up as an elf. And one of those codes is this. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loudly for all to hear. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loudly for all to hear. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that the whole premise of the song's promise, you ready for this? Is that a good deal is only a good deal when it is a shared deal. Let me say it again. A good deal is only a good deal when it is a shared deal. And the Bible says, I bring you good news of great joy for everyone. Not just you. As if somehow we're going to stand before glory and God's going to thank you for making it a good secret. So proud of you. It's crazy, isn't it? I've never met a person yet who won the lottery and kept it silent. And does anybody understand that Jesus is the money ball? Okay? I mean, it's the best deal ever. I've never met a mother who gave birth to a child and never showed someone a picture. I've watched fathers become putty in the birth of a child. Why doesn't that happen to us as Christians with the greatest birth of all? When's the last time you opened your wallet and showed people a picture of Jesus? See, it saddens me that it seems in this country we know Christmas and yet it's the greatest kept secret. It's just odd. It's everywhere. See, I'm okay now. I mean, I've had a person tell me, 
Oh, you're one of those. You don't say Merry Christmas. It's Xmas. I'm like, you X out anything you want. You know what? <laughs> I will love you, but I take great offense for the fact that you're going to re- try to remove Jesus from the season of what it's all about. You do whatever you want. My heart will speak. My heart will speak. How about yours? And this might hurt because folks, you and I, if we claim to be followers of Jesus, we have the in on the real Christmas cheer and yet we won't let it out for all to hear. There's something wrong with that. And this might hurt, but I've got to say it. Jesus said, not Keith Lloyd, Jesus said, your mouth will speak what's in your heart. And maybe in the church today, there's a lot of people who are church people, but they're not Christian because he's not here. You know the words of the hymns. But you don't know the word of him. Because our mouth speaks what's in our heart. When you surrender it. When you understand he's not the solution to the problem, he's the savior of your soul. And my Bible says, when he comes in, the Holy Spirit, things are going to be different. Things are going to be different because it's not your house anymore. It gets a brand new makeover. And just like an incredible makeover on television, when they move that bus, you never go see them ever. Go, oh, really? You'll see tears and excitement and stuff because it's beyond anything they could imagine. How much greater is Jesus? How much greater? See, I, I read about some gold prospectors who discovered an exceptionally rich mine. True story. We got it made, said one to the other, as long as we don't tell anyone. So they vowed to each other to keep it a secret, but you can imagine. They're sitting on one of the greatest gold mines of all time. Needing supplies, they went into town. After buying what they needed, in the secrecy of what they knew, they hurried back to their mind, only to discover that they were not alone that a great crowd of people had followed. And you all know why. Because no matter how quiet you try to be, your countenance can't hide what really matters. The question is, does Jesus really matter? Has he really been given the keys to your soul? So these shepherds go looking for treasure because of what they had heard. They find the treasure just as they had heard and they start telling everyone. And the reason why, and here's number three, because the shepherds were transformed. They heard about a treasure. They risked everything they knew to find it. They find it. And it's an incredible treasure. They can't keep it to themselves because it was so different than anything they'd ever knew. And now they're literally telling everyone why, because it changed them. It changed them. Again, verse 20, they returned, they returned. I want you to circle that word. They returned and let loose. I just love it. I just love it. It's a lover boy moment, isn't it? Turn me loose. I mean, they're glorifying, praising God for everything they'd heard and seen. See, in 1999, Pepsi ran a commercial. It starred model Cindy Crawford. 
The jingle was actually taken from an R&B hit by Doris Troy that she put and made a hit from 1963. It was later recorded by the Hollies, Ann Murray, and Linda Ronstadt. The words of the song, I believe, though, were actually first recorded by these shepherds. It just took 2,000 years to finally get them to print. Does anyone know the jingle? Just one look. <clears throat> That's all it took. Yeah, just one. Okay. Yeah, all right. Okay. That was... <laughs> You remember the jingle? Just, just one look. It's all it took. It seemed to be that for the shepherds. They didn't have to think about it. They didn't have to process it. it saddens me in our world. So many people say, well, I just, need, I just need some proof. You know what Jesus finally said? You'll never get any. Someone once asked me, how come we don't see the miracles? Like we see them happening in the word of God. First of all, they're there. They happen all the time. But it just depends where you're looking. But then there's another part of me that says, maybe God isn't going to give anymore because obviously the word of God and all those miracles didn't work. So you're not looking for me to change your life. You're looking for me to do a miracle. So you get something from me. You don't want me to be savior. You want to use me. And I'm just telling you, the Bible says, God says, I'm not interested. That's why I had to ask, what are you really looking for? What are you searching for when you say you're looking for Jesus? Are you telling people about that? Are you really transformed? See, I want you to listen to this. Just one look is is all it took, but please hear this. I don't care if you need a second, third, or fourth, or fifth, or a hundred looks. Just make this Christmas your last look. It's time for things to change. It's time for us to get apart the business of Jesus and quit making Jesus think that somehow he needs to be a part of our business. Look around, people. Our world is in the state is in because we're not as smart as we think we are. And it's time for us to get over ourselves and get under Christ and watch what he can do. You want to fix a nation? Then let the government rest on his shoulders. You want to fix a nation? Then quit looking to the White House and start letting it happen in your house. He is the Savior. He is the Savior. Paul said, for when anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. They're a new creation. That old stuff, it's gone. It's just gone. All the new has come. I want to invite the team out, but there's one last, one thing I want to note that I, I think gets missed, and I want you to watch this. And I think it's part of the problem in Christendom today. I don't want you to miss what happens in the end of this story. The shepherds, they're sheep herders, right? And after they see the great Christmas deal, and they take hold of the Christmas deal and they start sharing that treasure with everyone because of the transformation it did in their own soul. I want you to notice that they go back. Okay, that was really bad. Anyway, they, they go back to what they knew. Please hear this. They just go back different. 
Notice the Bible says they returned. I think it's the most important part of the story. They returned. They're still sheep herders. They're just different. I don't want you to miss this. They returned back to where God had planted them before. They returned back to where God had placed them before. And they're positioned differently now. See, over and over when you read Jesus and he heals someone, every time they go, can we come with you? And Jesus goes, no, no, no. He sends them back to the place in which they previously were. See, God cares about people. And he cared about all of the sheep herders of that day. And the way he reaches sheep herders, he transforms sheep herders and then sends them back. You know how you reach people in the medical field? They get transformed and they return to the medical field. And yet I've had so many people in this church come and say, Pastor, can you pray? Can you pray that God would give me a new occupation or a new place to work? And I'm like, why? Nobody's a Christian there. I'm all alone. I'm like, I'm not praying for that. Absolutely. I'm praying you get about the father's business. We don't need you pulled out so they all go to hell. We need you to start standing up and watching what God can do because you cannot do. I get your inadequacies. I just want you to understand his adequacies. And yet it happens all the time. Well, if I could just work with you at the church. No, you have no idea what you just said there. I'm telling you. You're going to want to go back, trust me. See, this is how God works. He takes the ordinary. He introduces them to the extraordinary. And then he sends them back to the ordinary. And then more of the ordinary get introduced to the extraordinary. And then he sends them back to the ordinary. Because that's where most of us live. And where we need to live. because that's where God does his greatest to work. These shepherds weren't the poor. They're the blue collar. Owning livestock was one of the greatest commodities you could have. You can't just let anyone watch your sheep. You need people who are hardworking. People you can trust. Imagine if you went back to the ordinary and lived a life that your boss could trust. We worked hard. So that's the transformation of a company. It's when we return different, just different. Have you returned that way?
See, the key to your marriage isn't for your spouse to be different. It's for he or she to see that you're different. Your family isn't lost. No matter how poorly you've been a dad or a mom, you meet the extraordinary and return different. God begins to do what you cannot. And the world just gets better. Right where you're at. That's the amazing, unbelievable gift of Christmas. It's been said that God is most glorified where you and I are most satisfied. The question is, where are we most satisfied? Is Christ your great treasure? Have you found it? See, I told you, I love a good after Christmas deal. Because the key to Christmas is not this coming 25th. The key to Christmas is what happens the 26th and the 27th and the 28th and into January and into February. See, I'll just give you a little heads up. This message hit me so hard that next year we're not doing a Christmas series. We're not going to decorate the church until December 26th. And I'm going to preach Christmas all the way through January. Because that's Christmas. Christmas is not what's coming. It's what you and I do afterwards. Or you missed it. You just missed it again. It was never to be a birthday to be celebrated. Jesus didn't come to blow out candles. He came to blow out yours. He came to change your life. And that the world would never be the same. I'm going to keep saying it. The hope of this nation is you and I who sit in an average pew who say that we're Christians. It's time to live it or you're not. Because Jesus said, and if that bothers you, which it does in this country, you can't judge me, you can't judge me. Jesus said, you'll know who mine are by their fruit. How do they love? How do they forgive? Do they nurse a grudge or do they let it go? Do they hold on to bitterness? Do they gossip or do they talk about God? You'll know who they are. Those are the ones that met me because I promised that I would come in and I would change their lives and it would be unbelievable. The old would be gone and this new would come and this new would be so different in an ordinary world. See, light shines best not among the superstar. Light shines best in the darkness of a night. And people go, whoa. And we're going to talk about that next week. And I'll just give you a heads up when we talk about these wise men. They saw a star and he has been putting stars in your life ever since. The question is, do you see them? And this message next week will sort of wreck you a little bit because I have a real thought that I think we've had it wrong in this one when it comes to the wise men. But do you know him? Who are you going to tell? Because if you won the lottery, you'd let someone know. And I will tell you this, 
Jesus is a whole lot more than winning a lottery. (laughs) Wow. A whole lot more. Better be poor under the bridge with Jesus than in the penthouse without him, people. Because in the penthouse always leads to the outhouse if you don't know Jesus, okay? Is it wrong to be rich? No. But it's an unbelievable sin and a damnation if it's without Jesus. Gain the whole world, lose your soul. That makes no sense. But Jesus, Jesus, do you hear the message? Are you willing to risk it and surrender it and let him transform you the only he can do? As Jared said in so many ways, we're always spending our life striving to be what we cannot be rather than just surrender and let Jesus do what he said he would do. Do you know him? Let me pray. Father, wow, the shepherd, (laughs) the shepherd that loves us so much, who modeled for us what it means to find that treasure. He would leave all of heaven to come looking for us because that's how much he loves us. So much so that he would be willing to do what we could not do and lay down his life. No greater love. God, what an announcement that the angels made that night. That the peace and joy comes after Christmas. Go find. Go discover the Savior is here. Christmas is over because it's not about the day. It's about what happens when right now that day becomes us in us. What an incredible after Christmas deal. That's what the world needs to see what Christmas has actually done in us. Not just on a specific day, but every day to follow. God, I'm praying that that day would happen for someone right now. That in their heart, they're saying, God, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know everything about you. I want you to be Savior. I want you to be Lord. And God, they're surrendering to that gift. Imagine how our world just the world around us would be so different and can be all because of Jesus. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless.